We thank you for listening to the weekly sermon of First United Methodist Church, Missouri City, Texas. We're a church that's making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. For more information about the church and its ministries or how we can pray for you, visit us on the web at fumcmc.org. If you desire to make a quick contribution in support of our ministries, you can text to give. Simply text the amount you want to give to 281-369-4870 and follow the instructions. And now, as you listen, we hope that you find this podcast meaningful and transformational in your journey of faith. Thank you, Leah. Um, if you were here, I would probably make a smart out of comment, but since you're not, we won't. But next time you do the video, no wind noise. It's really loud. So um, I don't know where you were during Hurricane Ike, but like many of you, I was at, at a safe place up in Conroe uh, watching um, Ed Emmett um, speak. And our, our former county judge, and, and I don't know if, if, Emma, if Ed un, uh, expected this thing that he said to go viral. If you remember, as he was warning the Houstonians, he used a phrase that is now associated with Texas. He used this phrase, hunker down. Hunker down meaning to stay safe, shelter in place, and to be smart about staying at home. Well, I hadn't thought much of the hunker down until the other day on the news. They were talking to a reporter in California, and the reporter said that the governor of California had just given a stay a shelter in place order, and then he said this, or as they would say in Texas, hunker down. So hunker down is a Texas phrase we use now for moments of emergency to stay. Well, there's some of those um, cliches, some of those phrases, some of those buzzwords that are going around now because of the coronavirus. Uh, and the other day I told Jill that if I have one more person say, flatten the curve, I was going to scream. Four minutes later, flatten the curve. And I won't tell you exactly what I screamed. And then there's the one that I never heard of until this, uh, self-quarantine. Anybody ever hear that one before? But probably the one that is used most again and again and again is called social distancing. News folks, politicians, medical experts say it over and over. And, and maybe I'm the only one, but up until this, I had never heard that phrase. Well, one guy in Italy, well, he took social distancing to a whole new level when he made his very own social distancing donut. And while I do believe that we should practice social distancing so that it will flatten the curve so we don't have to self-quarantine, I would prefer we don't use the term social distancing 
any longer. You see, there's just something wrong about that. And then yesterday, I was excited to read that the who, no, no, not the who of Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, but the World Health Organization agrees with me. They now think that we shouldn't use the term social distancing. We should replace it with physical distancing. To me, that is important understanding because that's what we should be doing. We are to stay at home or shelter in place or hunker down or self-quarantine so that we will flatten the curve, but we should not break contact with our families and with our friends. I happen to think more than ever we need to maintain and strengthen our social connections and maintain a sense of community even when we are not physically together. If you have listened to any of my sermons or sat in my classes, you know how important the idea of community is to me. And you know that I believe the reason why we were created in the first place is found in the first three verses of Genesis. I mean, listen to how the Genesis writer puts it. He's talking about that first part of creation, and he says words that we are all familiar with. He says, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. In verse 1, we see the work of God the Father, God the Creator in creation, or what some people call the first member of the Trinity. And then in verse 2, the Genesis writer tells us that, that there is something hovering over the waters. The Hebrew word is ruach. If it was in Greek, it would be pneuma, which is the breath or the spirit of God or the third person of the Trinity. And then finally, in verse 3, we hear, and God said, God spoke. If you flip over to the Gospel of John, John begins with these words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, the spoken, living Word of God, or as John referred to it, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. In the beginning. And in those three verses, we are given the reason, in my opinion, why we were created in the first place. Some people will say that God created us because he was lonely. I don't need a lonely God. Some people, I've heard one preacher say he created us because he was, he was bored, but that's not why we were created. God created us because he was in this, this inexplicable, mysterious thing that we call the Trinity where community was so perfect and so 
strong and so present that God one day said, this idea of community is so good, so rich, so beautiful. Let's create human beings and invite them in. We are created to be with each other and to not be alone. In fact, if you read the Genesis story, the only thing in the beginning of creation that was not good is when God saw that humans, Adam, was alone. And so now we're forced to shelter in place, to self-quarantine, to practice physical distancing, and many of us are spending a lot of time alone. And when I think about people being alone, I'm reminded of a book that came out a few years ago called Bowling Alone. This was written in the year 2000, well before Facebook, well before social media. The the author, a man by the name of Robert Putnam, reported that Americans are becoming increasingly disconnected from family, friends, and neighbors. He warned that our connections with each other had diminished so drastically that there was this huge negative effect on our lives, on our health, and in our communities. And he based this this book on uh, about 25 years of interviewing and studying well over a half a million people. And what he discovered is we belong to fewer and fewer organizations. We know neighbors less than we used to. We meet with friends less frequently, and we don't socialize with our own families as often. What he says is, we are bowling alone. Because what he discovered is, America, we're still bowling, but the bowling leagues have faded away. And now, because of the coronavirus, many of us are finding ourselves bowling alone so to speak, or in the very small group consisting of immediate family only. Being, work, being, being forced to work from home, we, we are apart from our co-workers, not having a worship on campus or Sunday school means we are separated from our church community and our small groups. There are people in the hospitals, in nursing homes, retiring communities that are not allowed to have any visitors or family come to see them. We are in danger not just of bowling alone, but of becoming even more disconnected than many of us already are. And I think God sees all of that, and he says, this is not good. But unfortunately, this is our present reality. For now and for God knows how long into the future. We are not able to meet together on Sunday morning. We are not able to laugh together in Sunday school. We are not able to hold hands and receive the benediction together. So here's my question. Are we still able to participate and practice physical distance and still experience community? I'm curious what you think. So, so you got a little homework. I want you to take a couple of moments, not long, 
and uh, just type a comment, uh, either that you agree that we can or maybe that we can't. Just let me know what you're thinking. Can we practice physical distance but still experience the goodness of community? So take a moment and do that. Now, as you do that, I want to go on. I've, I've wondered about this ever since I realized that the time would come that we would be worshiping like this through Facebook, through YouTube, uh, not being together in the same room. So I started skimming the Bible looking to find something to comfort me, something to assure me that we can still taste the beauty of community while practicing the safety of physical distancing. And so I immediately went to Paul, which would make Richard Burnham thrilled that I went to Paul because he knows that Paul and I don't always see things eye to eye. But I went to Paul because Paul spent much of his ministry in prison, away from the churches that he loved and that he planted. And I was excited when I found one very special passage. This is what Paul writes to the church in, in, in Colossus, the Colossians church. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters. So he begins. Then he goes to chapter 2. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. And for all who have not seen me, get this, face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself in whom all things are hidden are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in things giving. So I began to wonder, I began to know, I was assured I was able to breathe again because if Paul was able to connect with people without being, as he put it, face to face, that has to mean that we too can experience and strengthen our connection even when we are not worshiping in the same room. Even when we can't hold hands and receive the benediction. Even when we can't hug one another as we walk into the chapel or to the fellowship hall or to the sanctuary. And I started to think, what would Paul want to say to us today as we, experiencing, as we experience this time of physical distancing. And this is what I came up with. I, I think Paul would tell us that every hand that we don't shake must become a phone call or a text that we make. 
I think he would say that every embrace that we avoid must become a verbal expression of warmth and concern. And I think Paul would remind us that every inch and every foot that we physically place between ourselves and another must become a thought as to how we might serve each other, how we might love one another. So here's my promise to you. No matter where you're watching, no matter where you are worshiping from, whether you're a member of our church or this is your first time with us, if we know that you're out there, I will make you this promise. That your pastor and your staff will spend these days practicing physical distancing but we will still be in community with you. We might not be able to shake your hand, so we will call, we will text, we will write, and we'll message on Facebook. We may not be able to give you a hug, so we'll spend every day praying for you by name. We may not be able to visit you in the hospital or in your home, but we will love you. And we will always be here to serve you. So we may not be sitting here together, but we can still taste the goodness of community. That's how we're wired. That's how God created us. That's who we are. The body of Christ. Called to love, to serve, and to be with one another. So let me end, um, not with a benediction, but with my favorite words Paul wrote. And know that these come from my heart. For Paul told the church in Philippi, and I'm telling you, my church, that I thank my God for you every time I think of you. Lord, bless you. His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you.